Well, we welcome you. This is message number two in our series, Vital Signs, a verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 John. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 John. We're studying the vital signs, the indicators that show we possess everlasting life. The, the key verse in all 1 John is there on your outlines, 1 John 5.13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. The book of 1 John was written to give us assurance, confidence, certainty that we possess eternal life, that we'll go to heaven. Now, how do we know if we possess physical life? We look at our physical vital signs. Are you breathing? How's your heart? These are signs physically that show we're alive physically. How do you know you're alive spiritually? You look at your spiritual vital signs. It's the same principle. Every Christian will manifest spiritual vital signs that the book of 1 John talks about. Now, last Sunday, we looked at vital sign number one that shows we're spiritually alive, and it was summarized with one word, fellowship. Every Christian has union with God and with other Christians. Commonality. That's the reason Jesus came. There's no such thing as a Christian that has no experience of fellowship does not exist. Now, fellowship with God and other believers naturally leads us into the second vital sign that shows we possess spiritual life. And vital sign number two is a four-word phrase. You see it. It's called walking in the light. Can you repeat that after me? Walking in the light. So question, how do you know if you are a Christian, how do you know if you possess spiritual eternal life? Answer, are you demonstrating, manifesting the sign of walking in the light? Walking in the light is a vital sign of all Christians. If you're genuinely saved, you will be experiencing a pattern of walking in the light. There's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't walk in the light, does not exist. Now, let me give you a definition of walking in the light. You see it there in your outlines. Walking in the light is a pattern. It's not perfection, but it is a pattern of living close to the light, Jesus, and staying far as you can from darkness, which is sin. So just a simple question this morning. In your life, does that pattern exist? Do you seek to stay close to Jesus and far from sin? It's a simple question. Don't don't complicate it. If that's the pattern of your life, then you're walking in the light. Let's read about walking in the light this morning. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. This is the message we have heard from Him and declared to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, well, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar. And His Word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins 
of the whole world. Now, that is an amazing passage in Scripture. And from it this morning, we want to go deep into understanding what it means to walk in the light. And so I want to give you five facts about walking in the light that jump off the page of that passage we just read. And these five facts are true of all Christians. If you have spiritual eternal life, as we go through these five things, you're going to say, yep, that's me, that's me. Not perfectly me, but the pattern is there in my life. Number one fact about walking in the light is that it is motivated by the character of God. Look at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him. That's Jesus, John is writing, and declare to you. Here's the message. Here's the truth about God. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. God is light. And in case we wonder, what does that mean? John says, in Him there is no darkness at all. Light refers here, as it describes God, to God's moral purity, His holiness, His complete righteousness. Darkness refers to sin, wrongdoing, evil. Of course, there's none of that in God. God is light. He is absolute moral purity, perfect holiness, total righteousness. Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, He said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. God the Father is light. God the Son is light. And what's really amazing is that believers, Christians, are also declared to be light. When you believe upon Jesus, part of the eternal life package is that you also become light, possessing God's light within. Ephesians 5.8, you were once darkness, but now in Christ, as a believer, you are light in the Lord. Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world, speaking to all Christians. Colossians 1.13, for He has rescued us from dominion, the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. And that's a kingdom of light. So as Christians, we are motivated, watch this, to walk in the lights because God is light. And that's who God has made us to be as we're in Christ, light as well. You ever watch the sunrise? Have you ever gotten up early enough and you just see that sunrise just coming up? When we were in New Zealand, Tracy and I were just watching these sunrises that were awesome. And you lean into the sun. You turn your face to the sun. Is that you with God? Do you lean into God? Do you let His light shine upon if so, you're walking in the light. You know, when our boys were little, we would, uh, because I'm from Montana, we'd vacation to Montana. And as we would drive there, uh, there are these caves along the way, especially in Nevada. You know, you go way down, hundreds of feet down in the caves. And our little guys, you know, just this tall, are next to us. And there's always that moment, you know, where the tour guide says, and now we're going to turn off the lights. And, you know, and then it goes totally black, and I'm here as a daddy, and all of a sudden I feel a little hand reaching up, wanting to hold on to their daddy because they're in darkness. In this dark world, do you reach out to the light of God's hand? If you are a child of light, you are drawn to the light. I am a sinful father, and my son reaches out for me. God is pure and holy and righteous, no blemish. If you are walking in the light, if you're a Christian, you reach out and you are drawn to the lights. 
Do you want to be near our God of light? Are you drawn to Him? That is the first sign you're walking in the light. It's motivated by the character of God who is light. Second fact about walking in the light, it's denied if we walk in the darkness. I mean, John is so straightforward. In verse 6, he says, if we claim, here's a person that has a claim, to have fellowship with Him, with God. This is a person that says, I have fellowship, I have union with God. I claim to be a Christian. I, have, I claim to be born again. Yet, the person claims this, yet if you walk in the darkness, you lie and do not live by the truth. If you claim to be a Christian, yet walk in the darkness, we consistently live in the darkness, sin, wrongdoing, evil. Our claim to be a Christian is invalid. That's what John is saying. To profess one thing and to live another in contradiction of that is a lie. There is no such thing as a Christian who habitually lives in darkness and in sin. It doesn't exist. Let's look at it this way. Remember when you were not a Christian. Some of us need to think back because it's been so long. You weren't a Christian and what your life was like then and how you responded to God then and how you responded to God's people then. In case you forgot, take your Bibles, put your finger in 1 John, but go back to the Gospel of John and go back to chapter 3. This describes you before you knew Christ. Now, we know in John 3, 16, the greatest verse probably in all the Bible, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You believe in Jesus, you get, receive the gift of everlasting life. You become a Christian, born again, spiritual life comes into your being. How do you know you're a Christian? That's the book of 1 John. Well, John chapter 3 describes our life before we knew Jesus in relation to the light. Look at verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Now, that's Jesus. But men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. You see, when your deeds were evil, you didn't know Jesus. His life wasn't in you. You hated the light. Look at verse 20. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. See, this used to be your nature. You used to run from the light, and so did I. That's a non-Christian. Christians love the light. They're drawn to it. A non-Christian hates the light. Remember when you were a kid, I used to, maybe you didn't have this experience, but I would go every day as much as I could out into the fields. And I, I just loved to walk and go and explore and, and sometimes have friends with me and sometimes not. And I would love to go out in the field, and especially when I found a board that was lying flat on the ground. That is so exciting because you never know what's underneath that board. And so we would, this big old piece of plywood, we lift it up, and there's all these critters underneath there usually. And what's the first thing those critters do? They start running because they hate the lights. That used to be you. If you don't know Jesus, you hate the light. Same with me. I didn't know Christ when I was in high school. I'll just give you a little example. So I'm thinking I'm the man on campus, and all of a sudden, the light shows up. My youth pastor, Ron Story, and he'd be on the other side of the campus, and I'd see Ron, and I'm like, I'd turn and go down the hallway. I'd run to get away from my youth pastor because he represented the light of God. If you don't know Jesus, you are not drawn to the light. You hate the light. That's why so many Christians are persecuted today. Jesus said, they can't get to me, so they will get to you. Hmm. This is what John is saying in 1 John 1, 6. He says, 
If you claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, you're drawn to the darkness, you lie. You don't live by the truth. Look at Ephesians 5, 8, and 10. For you were once darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. That's a Christian. That's someone who's born again, has a new life, a new nature. Not darkness, but light. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now, obviously, believers fall short of perfection. We're not talking about perfection. But every believer will manifest a continual striving toward walking in the light. And this gives evidence that his or her nature has been transformed from darkness to light. So if you just walk in darkness, why would you think you're a Christian? Christians walk in the light. Not perfectly, but there's a pattern. Do you exemplify the pattern? Third fact about walking in the light. That's true of all Christians. It's validated as we walk in the light like Jesus walked. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. How do we know if we're walking in the light? Simple. Are we walking like Jesus walked? Simple as that. So what about you? Who are you becoming as you walk through life? If you have spiritual life in you, you'll be learning to walk like Jesus walked as time goes on. So question, are you becoming more and more like Jesus as time goes on, or are you becoming more and more in darkness as time goes on? You have the answer to your question. In terms of your nature, whether you're a Christian or not. It's validated. We are walking in the light as Jesus, like the way he walked. Not perfectly, but there's a pattern. Look at chapter 2 and verse 6 of 1 John. Whoever claims to live in him, whoever claims to be a Christian, must walk as Jesus did. I mean, this is how you walk if you know Jesus. Furthermore, as we are walking in the light, we can know two amazing facts that will be true of our life that verse 7 says. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. Wow. That's awesome. In other words, walking in the light impacts our horizontal fellowship with other believers in a positive way. It also impacts our vertical, vertical fellowship with God in a positive way as we walk in the light. I like what one commentator says. He says this to summarize verse 7. He says, To all who walk in the light, God grants His grace, so that throughout their lives, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses them from all sin. This is not to say that Christians no longer struggle with sin, for no one will ever be totally free in this life from the unredeemed humanness of their flesh. However, because the blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses away every impurity, sin can never change the believer's standing before God. Now, more about that amazing truth in a bit. But for right now, I want to bring you back to the main point. How do I know if I'm walking in the light? Simple. As time goes on, am I learning to walk? Am I learning to live more like Jesus walked and lived? That shows I'm walking in the light. That shows I'm a born-again believer. And if you're saying, well, that's me, not perfectly, but that's the pattern, guess what? You're walking in the light. You're a Christian. You can have assurance of that. Fourth truth, 
about walking in the light that's true of all Christians. It's confirmed as we confess our sins. Now, question. What do you personally claim to be true about you and your relationship to sin? I know that's a weird question. In other words, what do you personally believe to be true about sin? The answer to that question will tell me everything about your spiritual nature. See, when we walk in the light, we will claim a certain truth about sin. Now, there are three positions that you can take. Three positions. Here's the first position. We can claim we are sinless. And yes, I've met people that have claimed they are sinless. Look at verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, there's a person that claims they were without sin. This person was probably in John's congregation there in Ephesus or Asia Minor or trying to make inroads into the church, claiming they're sinless. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So I ask you, is this you? Do you claim you are without sin this morning? Some people might not say this as a claim about their own lives, but they may live like this. I've met people who live this way. Before God, they live like they have no sin. They blame their sin on others. They redefine sin. They rationalize sin, and in essence, they are saying they're not a sinner. Hmm. If we do this, we are self-deceived, John says, and the truth is not in us. We are not walking in the light. There's people that don't even believe in sin today. They are not walking in the light. They are not Christians, no matter what they say. Because the Bible says, God says, all have sinned. To contradict God is to speak a lie. And that lie comes from the enemy, Satan. So there's one category. I mean, again, bringing you back to the question, what do you say about sin and your relationship to sin? Do you claim you're sinless? Second, we can claim that we have never sinned. Not that we're sinless, but I've just never sinned. Look at verse 10. Currently, right now, I haven't sinned. Look at verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. I met a man here a bit ago. A few years back, I was... uh, put on the phone line with the gentleman. He said, "Uh, I would love to see a pastor because I'm nearing, I believe, death. I'm an older man, and I would like to know how I can go to heaven. And I said, I'll be over there in five minutes. Where do you live? So I showed up at his house. And as a result of talking to him, I could tell that the man was just oozing pride about his life and his accomplishments. And finally, I said to him, I said, sir, with all due respects, do you believe that you have sinned? And he said, nah, I've never sinned. And I said, really? I said, you've never lied, never cheated, never stole, never lusted, never hated. He said, no. I took him to 1 John chapter 1, verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. I read the scripture to him. 
You said, I haven't sinned. I said, well, God does call you a liar because God says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I said, sir, I love you. But until you can admit you're a sinner, you're not in need of a Savior. And if you're not in, ready to admit that, then guess what? We're just kind of wasting time here, huh? I go, you call me when you're willing to admit you're a sinner. And I'll introduce you to the Savior. What about you? Do you admit that you do sin? Or do you admit you're sinless? Or that you don't sin? Oh yeah, I can go through a whole day and I don't sin. Are you serious? I've never met anyone that can go through a whole day without sin. But maybe that's what you claim about sin. God's calling you a liar. The truth is not in you and you are not walking in the light. We all sin. There's a third position, and it's the Christian position. It's the person that has spiritual life position. 1 John 1, 9, we can confess our sins. <laughs> we don't deny we've never sinned. We don't say we're sinless. We just confess our sins. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Is that you? Do you confess your sins? Homo legeo is the word confess. It means to agree with God. It means to say the same thing God says. Is that what you say? Yeah, I agree, God. I'm a sinner. You're right. That what I did, that what I said, whatever, that's sin. Is this how you live? If so, you are walking in the light. So let me give you a little statement here. Christians continually confess sin. I'll be honest, when I wake up in the morning, Lord Jesus, cleanse me of my sin. It's usually the first prayer I pray. See, the more you grow as a Christian, the more mature you become, the more holy you recognize God is, and perfect. And even though you're growing in holiness, there's still so far. And you bring to God your sin. You see, if we are not continually confessing our sins, what are we claiming about sin? That we're sinless? That we have never sinned? You see, as we continually confess our sins, or as we agree with God, two amazing things continually take place that characterizes all Christians in their relationship with God. And you see it in verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, that's His character, to do what? Will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Wow. We confess God continually forgives and purifies. We continually confess, and this is what God does purifies, forgives, purifies, forgives, forgives, purifies, cleanses. You say, Mark, I need some help here because <clears throat> when I believed on Jesus, weren't all my sins totally forgiven at that point in history, past, present, and future? Yes, they were. They were. But the evidence that your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, is that you don't deny you still sin today in your practice. And you confess this to God, and this results in your continual cleansing. Let's see if this helps. Salvation is you receiving the all-cleansing bath. Once and for all justification of God's forgiveness. 1981, July 27th, was when I 
believed on Jesus, eternal life came into my life, and God declared me righteous, forgave all my sins, past, present, and future, declared me righteous in His sight. Justification of sins and in the presence of God declared allows you to enter the light. Confession is you receiving the shower, not the bath, but the shower, the washing of God's forgiveness as part of your ongoing sanctification, the process of you being made holy during this life. Justification is your bath that allows you to enter the light. Sanctification is the shower that allows you to walk in the light. So you don't need to be justified again, but you do need to be sanctified again and again and again through the ongoing confession and cleansing that God is so faithful to provide. You see, as Christians, we've been delivered from the penalty and power of sin, but not the presence of sin. We still sin, so we need to confess and forsake sin on a regular basis, Therefore, thereby showering the metaphorical dirt from our lives as part of our sanctification, the process of God making us holy, even in this life. Remember uh, in John 13, maybe this will help. I'm just coming at this different ways. This is called preaching to make a point right now, all sorts of different angles. Um, in John 13, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, remember that moment? I was tender, but maybe you've never seen it from a theological standpoint. Jesus, he, he came to Peter, and he's washing Peter's feet. He's not giving him a bath. He's washing Peter's feet. And do you remember what Peter said? Or he's wanting to wash Peter's feet. Remember, Peter said, no, 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 no. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. In other words, give me a bath, Jesus. Jesus answered, look at this, a person who has had a bath. Peter, you've already had a bath. You belong to me. You're my child. You only need to wash your feet. Your whole body is clean. You're clean. So God, some of you need to realize you're justified. You are clean. You're declared righteous before God. But guess what? You still sin. And every day you need to come before a faithful and awesome God who loves you because you're his child and let him wash you. Let him purify you. Part of his sanctification. If you're a Christian, you've had your bath. You don't need a bath again, but you still sin daily. You need a foot washing. You need a shower. Allow the Lord to wash you. It's called walking in the lights. And as you don't deny your sin or say you've never sinned or redefine sin, but just simply admit to God that you are a sinner, He is so faithful and kind to literally wash your feet, your soul once again in this process of you being made holy, sanctifying you. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, man, is that a beautiful thing. You need it emotionally, too. It's so good to know your parent. There's times I, man, I tell you, I got into a lot of trouble when I was a kid. My parents are here. And you think you get away with stuff, but emotionally you don't. You've sinned. You've transgressed. But how 
healthy and awesome it is to hear your mom or dad say, Mark, I forgive you. You need to hear that. And God is faithful to give that to you. But if you go through life thinking you haven't sinned, or you redefine sin, you don't admit sin, it's just going to build up. You need to be washed. You don't need a bath. You just need washing. How do I know I'm walking in light? You're confessing your sins to God. Christians continually confess their sins. It's called walking in the light. Fifth truth about walking in the light. It's upheld by the amazing intercessory ministry of Jesus. You know, what keeps a believer walking in the light? Is it our strength? Is it our determination, our will? Nope. We walk in the light because of the eternal life we've been given and the amazing intercessory ministry of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Have you ever wondered, have you asked, ever asked yourself, you know, what is Jesus doing right now uh, in heaven? I know that he's seated at the right hand of God. <clears throat> Remember, Jesus is God, second person of the Trinity. has always existed. 2,000 years ago, he came to earth and was born. He took on human flesh. He pre-existed prior to that for all eternity. But one time, God came into flesh, born. And he, he lived a perfect life, absolutely sinless. And around 30 years of age, he, he started this public ministry, and for three years, he lived with 12 guys. They lived with him. Then he went to the cross, about 33. He died for the sins of the world, your sins, my sins. Perfect substitutionary sacrifice because he never sinned. He paid God's penalty. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He stayed on earth 40 days after that encouraging his disciples, and then he ascended into heaven on the Mount of Olives. By the way, he's going to return with his foot to the Mount of Olives. Go to Israel so you can be on the Mount of Olives and know where Jesus arose and where he's coming back. That's my little plug for you. So Jesus ascended. He's seated at the right hand of God. We know that. What's he doing there? Now, one day I'm going to preach a series on Jesus' ministry in heaven. We know about his ministry on earth, but there's about five things that he's doing right now in heaven that one day I'm going to do a series on that. One of the things he does is amazing. It's incredible, and First John talks about it. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. This is a pastor. I'm writing this so you won't sin. But if anybody does sin, and the way it's written in the Greek is this, if anybody does sin, and you probably will. That's the way, that's the literal, trans if anyone sins, and you probably will. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, now watch this. Did you see that? We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Now, why is that necessary? That we have one, Jesus, who speaks to the Father in our defense. Because the Bible teaches that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Day by day, night by night, do you realize Satan has access right now to the throne room of God? Yes, Satan roams this earth, but he spends time in the throne room of God. And you say, what does he do there? One day he will be cast down to earth. And he'll be banned from the throne room during the great tribulation. But right now he has access to God. And what he is doing there is one thing. He is accusing you 
slew of sin before God. Constantly, and it's right there in your outline, Revelation 12, 10. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God, night and day has been hurled down. I told you, one day he'll come down. But right now he's accusing you of your sin before God. And praise the Lord for 1 John 2, 1. <laughs> we sin, you probably will, but we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. You know what the word defense there is? It's advocate. It's helper. It's, it's, the, it, it, it's the Greek word parkaleo, one called alongside. And the best translation of it in this context is defense attorney. Satan accuses. God, do you know this Rick guy? Do you know what his thoughts are? Do you know Jim Shirley? Do you, do you know Kevin? I see what they're doing, God. They're sinners. They murder. They lie. They cheat. They deserve hell. I see it, and so do you. Send them to hell. And he is accusing God the Father. What does God do? He remains silent. What does Jesus do? He speaks up for you. He is your defense attorney. Do you know that every person who is alive right now is on trial before God? Yes, that's the truth. You have a defense attorney. He's Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he speaks up and he says, Father, 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 Jim, Rick, Shirley, <laughs> they are our child. They believed on me. They put their faith in me when I hung on that cross and I died for the sins of the world. Father, I died for their sins. They believed upon me. I placed my life in them. They are justified. They are holy and righteous. And God the Father says, be gone, Satan. Get out of my presence. This is my child. This is who we have. This is Jesus the righteous one, the holy one, who speaks to the Father on your behalf, on my behalf, a sinner who still sins. Father, thank you, Jesus, for the role you play in my life. How could I be so blessed? How could you be so blessed to have such a God who would do this? Question. Is Jesus your defense attorney? <laughs> because if he's not, you are on your own. And one day, in Revelation 20, you're going to stand before God. It's called the great white throne judgment. And Jesus will not be there to defend yourself. And the Bible says you will be silent before God because you know you're a sinner. And you have no forgiveness, no advocate and what amazes me most, I think, in this whole scripture is verse 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for, also for the sins of the whole world. I can't believe that. It's like Jesus is willing to be the defense attorney for any person in this world who would just believe on him. I just find that to be amazing. He wants to represent us before God, anyone who would come to faith in him. <laughs> How do we walk in the light before a holy, righteous God? We can't. Oh, yes, we can confess our sins, but ultimately our relationship with God, our walking in the light is upheld by the amazing intercessory ministry of Jesus Christ, the righteous one, our awesome defense attorney. Can I get an amen? amen. So there we have it. 
we got five facts about walking in the light that Christians demonstrate. What is walking in the light? It's living, walking out a pattern of living close to the light, Jesus, and staying far from the darkness based on these five things. It's motivated by the character of God. We're drawn to the light. It's the night if we walk in the darkness. We're drawn to the light, not the darkness. It's validated if we walk in the light like Jesus. We're becoming more like Christ. It's confirmed as we confess our sins. We don't deny our sin. We don't say we've never sinned. We just simply confess it. And it's upheld by the amazing intercessory ministry of Jesus. All right, enough of me talking. I'm going to give you a few minutes at your tables. How are you personally experiencing walking in the light? Which of these five things was most meaningful to you? Because you're like, this is my experience that Pastor Mark through 1 John just described. Would you talk about your experience of walking in the light? Go for it. Okay, this morning we've looked at the second. The second vital sign indicating we possess eternal life. How do we know we possess physical life? We look at our physical vital signs, our pulse, our breathing. How do we know we possess spiritual life? We look at our spiritual vital signs. This morning was walking in the light. Walking in the light is a pattern of living close to the light, being drawn to the light, Jesus, and staying as far from the darkness sin as we possibly can because that's our nature. And it manifests itself in these five ways. So is your life characterized by walking in the light? This is where, as a pastor, I love you. I really care about you, that you would know you have assurance of eternal life. There's no such thing as a Christian who does not walk in the light. Not perfectly, but there's a pattern. It's a vital sign that says you're alive spiritually. So time to evaluate. Time to take a spiritual life test. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So these are five facts about walking in the light that will characterize people, Christians, who are spiritually alive. So let's take this test. Let's look at these five things. Walking in the light, it's motivated by the character of God. God is light. So as you go through life, just let me ask you the simple question. Are you drawing near to the light of God or do you run from the light of God? Simple question. You will either be drawn to the light or you will run from the light. You're a saint or you're an ain't. You're in the family of God or you're not. You're born again by the Spirit of God or you're not. You're natural or you're spiritual. It's, it's black or white. It's not that confusing. But you have to give your soul a, a true evaluation. Second, it's denied if we walk in the darkness. So I just ask you, has your nature been transformed from darkness to light? Are you living as a child of the light or are you living in darkness? That doesn't mean perfect living in the light. But has there been a change? Three, it's validated as we walk in the light like Jesus. So as time goes by, simple, are you becoming more and more like Jesus? Are you walking, talking, responding? Are your priorities becoming more like Christ? If so, you're walking in the light. That is a true sign. It's like you're a Christian. It's confirmed as we confess our sins. 
Do you claim or live as if you have no sin or you don't sin? Or are you consistently confessing, agreeing with God about your sins? I mean, if you go through days and weeks and months without confessing your sin, you're probably not a Christian. You may think you are, but you've never been born again. Christians continually confess their sins. They're sensitized to that. They're walking in the light. The darkness destroys their soul. See, as a Christian, you can't continually sin and get away with it. As a non-Christian, you can sin all the time and get away with it. You don't care. Christians, no. You can't sin successfully as a Christian without it not bothering you. Because you know you're breaking the heart of your Heavenly Father. And the light of God lives in you. Five, it's upheld by the amazing intercessory ministry of Jesus. Do you believe your entire spiritual life is upheld by not your strength, but by the amazing intercessory ministry of Jesus Christ who speaks to the Father in your defense, claiming that you're His child and therefore you are holy righteous before God due to Jesus, His substitutionary sacrifice for you on the cross? So these facts describe all Christians. Not perfectly, but there's a pattern here. Again, all believers fall short of perfection. All believers sin. No believer perfectly walks in the light. But there is a pattern, and it's an unmistakable pattern that gives evidence you are no longer a child of darkness, but you're a child of the light, and as such, you walk in the light. Remember the primary purpose of 1 John. It is a great purpose. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. The whole purpose is to give you assurance, certainty, absolute, no question about it. If I were to die today, I'm going to go to heaven because I know I'm God's child. So, here it is. If walking in the light characterizes your life, that pattern characterizes your life, you can know 100% that you have eternal life. If walking in the light does not characterize your life. Great news. (laughs) Believe on Jesus today. Receive the eternal life, the transformation spiritually He offers you. Become a child of the light and begin walking in the light as He is in the light. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, God, that You are the light of the world. And through faith, we become children of that same light. And if walking in light characterizes our lives, grant us that deep-seated assurance that we indeed possess eternal life. And if walking in light doesn't characterize our lives, give us the grace and the honesty to believe on you today, to receive eternal life, for it's just a prayer away, belief in the person and work of Jesus, that we become a child of the light by your grace and begin walking in the light as you are in the light. Would you take a moment and just talk to the Lord in your own heart? If you need salvation, reach out to God right now. Confess your sins. Ask Him to come in and justify you, forgive you, bring His light into you. If you're walking in the light, would you just say, Lord, praise your name. I belong to you, and I just want to walk in the light more. Grant me the grace and the strength to be your child of light. Take a moment and talk to God.